are we all beat then? Because I, I was saying I have a Red Bull in the fridge after this that I'm going to chug. I'm, I'm exhausted. I want to go grab my Coke, but I don't think that's going to do me much yeah, good. Yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Hello and welcome to the Android Police Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. This week on the show, the Google Pixel floodgates are opened for 2023. We got information about the Pixel Fold, the 7a, Pixel 8 renders, Pixel 8 Pro renders. It's just a smorgasbord of Pixel leaks. Uh, my favorite time of year. I I think it's early. I don't know. It might it's be. It's not early. I never know anymore. It's, it's, yeah. it's right on time is what it is. <laughs> um, it's, some of this could be orchestrated by Google. Some of it is probably annoying Google. But either way, it's getting me excited for Google I.O., which is now officially on May 10th which is fantastic. We will definitely, if not play with and see the Fold and 7A, we will get to learn more about them. So we'll talk about that. Samsung has just gone through the ringer again around the, <laughs> the, the moon. Just a bad week for Samsung PR. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and honestly, for a nothing story, like this is not a big deal, but we'll get into why. Uh, the Galaxy A54 and A34 are official. Samsung's mid-range phones are really strong. They've always been strong, or at least for the last few years. Nothing seems to be different this year, so we'll get into that. Staying with Samsung, a really bad Exynos vulnerability that we got to talk about. This affects the Exynos modems on a lot of devices. I'll talk about that. And then just a grab bag, man, like AI, Google, Microsoft launching AI stuff. YouTube TV is going up in price again somehow. I don't even know how that's possible. And the BlackBerry movie trailer is out. It is what I've been waiting for. We got a double feature coming up of Tetris and BlackBerry, just yeah. like technology history at its finest here. So I'm I'm pretty, pretty psyched. All right. Will, Ara, how are you guys doing? I'm tired. Uh, I'm good. Yeah, I think we're all we're all tired. I wanted to say to you, Daniel, um, congratulations on your recent Academy Award. Thank win, you uh, for best director. Um, I was watching Sunday. They said Daniels won, so I assume all Daniels every Daniel, this, yeah, this victory. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, was talking to my wife about pitching the Daniels an idea of a movie about how another Daniel, perhaps myself, goes and kills one of the Daniels. And then because they want to join the Daniels and then becomes a new version of the Daniels to make more movies with Michelle Yeoh. So I'm going to pitch that to them. I hope I don't have to actually kill any of the Daniels in order to make this happen. But I think like they would be down with a meta movie idea, yeah. right? Yeah, they'll love that. They, yeah. seem, they seem like they're kind of weird and, and, and out there. So yeah, I accept this award on behalf of all Daniels. <laughs> Did you watch the full Oscars? Because I did. Every year. Every year. It was brutal. I think this was the first year I didn't try to watch the Oscars uh, at all. I, I See, I thought it was a pretty it good year. It was a very I'm gonna bad be honest. year. It was so boring, no. so predictable. Every, like Every joke was, you could see it coming from a mile away. Right, which makes it a pretty good year. Uh, I thought the only redeeming f- factor for the entire show was the Natu Natu dance. Like, Natu Natu. Yeah, of course is a banger but seeing that performance on stage was amazing just incredible stuff from that set of dancers if i don't know have you did you guys did you watch it yeah yeah no yeah, I, yeah okay. I i haven't seen rrr though i i have i have missed out on the rrr hype because i missed it in theaters because every movie i wanted to see at the exact out, same uh, time this time last year when i was moving so yeah. I just didn't like I found I think we found time for everything everywhere in theaters and that was it like I missed RRR I missed the Northmen which I also still haven't seen I missed I don't know there's I'm sure there are other things I'm forgetting but yeah so it's that has been one that I have I have not caught up caught up on but I have watched the Natu Natu scene on YouTube like <laughs> like 30 so, times yeah, it's me so too. good I, I have not seen RRR because I think it's like a three it's three hours hour movie yeah it's very long which is why I would want to see it in a theater because then I can give it my full attention and I'm not going to be looking at Twitter for 90% of it speaking of being distracted while watching long movies at home Avatar 2 is coming out yeah on uh, it's like the end of the month I think 
Yeah, they're not. Str- they're not giving it it's away on, on digital. Disney+. Yeah, yeah, you'll be able to. I threatened Maddie that I'm going to put it on once a night. Just kind of vibe. <laughs> <laughs> She's not looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, I'm actually going to make my wife watch the full thing with me one night. It's a good movie. It'll be fun. All right, let's get into it. Pixel leaks. They were fast and furious this week. Yeah. Let's start with yeah, availability, were. and we'll sure. go to pricing and design. Um, but the first leak was around availability. And I think this was surprising. Yeah, I so think so too. Let's jump into it. Yeah. So short, short version is that uh, there was a retail leak. Uh, these are typically pretty reliable, especially ones that are, you know, this kind of had a couple different sources all saying the same thing. We're looking at a mid-June launch window for both the 7A, which is not super surprising. It is a little earlier than last year, but last year was a little earlier than the year before, so, you know, whatever. And then mid-June as well for the Fold, which I think caught most of us off guard. I because think that's, yeah, that was the more yeah. surprising one. Yeah, word had been kind of tied with the Pixel 8, basically, was what people were thinking. Yeah, I think this makes sense if, given how long this has been in development, and also acknowledging that Google, like Samsung, likely doesn't want to get into a single release cycle every year where they release all of their flagships at the same time. My guess is what they're going to do here is push the Pixel release up a little bit every year until it releases in the earlier part of the year alongside the 7A, right? Or the, the A series devices. Like, that does seem like they're trying to get back there, right? If they're releasing the 7A in June versus August with the 6A, there were a lot of COVID-related supply chain issues with the 5A that kept it from being released globally and delayed it a few months. That was initially supposed to be released in May of 2020, or 2021, rather. So I think that'll be an interesting thing if they can get into this early, late cycle. It's just also kind of cool that will get a foldable early in the year from Google and then a foldable later in the year from Samsung if they flip it because Samsung releases its S series devices earlier in the year. Right. And also, at least specifically for this device, it is almost assuredly powered by a Tensor G2. And so it would be a little weird to release a foldable alongside a Pixel 8 that is presumably powered by a G3. Like it would just be odd to have like the cheaper flagship with a better processor just from a marketing perspective. I mean, obviously, most regular people aren't really going to know that, but like it would be weird. And the fact that they've probably been developing this to target Android 13 for exactly. a while. Yeah. Wouldn't make sense to wait for 14. There weren't in DP. One, I don't think they were talking much about further tablet-related improvements, right? A lot of them were concentrated on 12L. Sorry, yeah. not tablet, foldable. Yeah. 12L and Android 13. So it would make sense for the Pixel to be released on 13. Exactly. Kind of seems what they've been aiming for for a while. So June, I mean, assuming that's accurate, we're going to see, I would think, an actual launch at Google I.O. then. Right. Yeah, so we we had another, this is where the pricing comes in, a day later, we had a second leak in addition to the retail leak, so you'll notice that like the big thing that wasn't in the retail leak was like pricing, so the second leak has that as well as, you know, it sounds like Google I.O., they'll be on stage, 7A and Fold, which makes sense because Google has been like really on the ball about like, we'll just preview the stuff you know we're making. So like, we still don't know when the tablet's coming out, but that was announced in October. I was going to say, we saw the Pixel 7 and 7 Pro at Google I.O. last year. Like there was... N- there, I.O. last year, there's exactly. No- there, there should be nothing left to spoil for these phones once yeah. I.O. is over. Exactly. And so it sounds like I.O. is where we'll see these on stage. I would be surprised if we don't see basically 7A fold tablet and then teases for the 8 and the 8 pro again for the third year in a row because that just it seems to be working for google they've they did it with the six they did it with the seven i will get to the eight in a minute but um yeah i think that's where we're headed so this pricing range so initially the two sources from 2022 suggested that the fold would be 1700 dollars in line with the galaxy fold series now we're seeing a slightly cheaper launch range of 13 to 1500 dollars and i'm assuming it's not because google just decided to be nice about this right it has margin goals that it wants to hit and i'm guessing with the delay 
in bringing this to market if we're working under the assumption that the company wanted to release it last year they probably found some savings in supply chain easing in finding better cheaper parts or whatever just improving the overall manufacturing workflow they're going to be able to sell this at the same margin for less money if this bears out if this is actually true it's also possible that the $1,700 pricing is accurate, and this is actually 13 to 1,500, say, pounds or euros, and we're just not seeing the correct currency, which has happened in the past. So hopefully it's true, but it's, it's totally possible it's not. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think we're all hoping that it's cheaper, if not just for our wallets, but also because I think it would maybe help push the cost of the Fold series from Samsung down because they have no rivals in the US and there's no reason for them to drop below their $1800 uh, starting price. So Not yet. There will Not be. yet. Exactly. I We've don't got... think Samsung can afford to drop the price on the Fold series this year. Unless there's I mean... some drastic change in Samsung's uh finances between now and June. I maybe. Yeah, I, it's it's such a tough. But then it's like I don't know. $1,800 is a lot even for, for a foldable, you know, like I think they've won over a lot of people, but like they have not reached the mass market adoption that I'm sure they would love to see. Yeah. And I also think Samsung with its head start and with its very generous trade-in uh, offers. I was going to say previously, previously generous, generous. <laughs> trade-in offers. Their no, trade-in no, offers mean, right now are not generous. I'm going to be as blunt as I can be. Previously on Galaxy Z Fold. Um, no, they are. I mean, I agree with you in like, if you're looking at it from the perspective of a single launch, but when you're talking about trade in values for loyal customers, even if you're only offering a few hundred dollars, it's still going to be more generous than what Google's going to offer you for a Galaxy Fold. And my guess is that people upgrading to the Z Fold 5 this year are likely coming from earlier versions of the Fold. So the fact that you have an install base of users that have at least one generation of Fold that they're upgrading from is putting Samsung at a huge advantage. Plus the fact that Samsung has this reliable trade-in infrastructure that Google has just yet to show. You know, There are trade-in programs for Pixel phones, but Samsung has this down. Apple has this down. Samsung has a retail presence. You can go in and you can try these devices before you buy them. And it just has a mindshare head start. You may argue that like, sure, the trade-in values are lower than they were in, in 2022, but that's irrelevant when you are a Galaxy Z Fold owner upgrading yeah. to another foldable. I definitely uh, agree with that, yeah. So Google, I think, has to charge less than Samsung if it wants to try to edge its way into this market and well and that's a strategy i mean we've already seen them do this with the pixel for since the pixel 6 yeah. basically i'm not I'm maybe sort of kind of the 5 but that was a mid-range phone that was more expensive than the pixel 6 so but yeah it has clearly worked for them i see a lot of pixel 6 or 7 devices on not as many as samsung or apple phones but like they are around and people know about them like and that is kind of rare these days you know like to not be a Samsung or a, an Apple device in the US and have market share in people's heads. Like, it's big. I have a slightly off-topic tangent that I want to tell okay. you because it's just fascinating to me and brings home mm -hmm. this idea of, like, pixel hardware in the mainstream and, and this, I think, like, inconsistent relationship users have with the phones and the brand. So I have a friend. This is a, a company he used to work for. And he works in the elevator repair industry. So these are people that have contracts by you know malls and apartment buildings, whatever, and they're going in and they're repairing elevators, okay? So it's dangerous work. It's work that requires a cell phone to be working, to have good quality signal in very, very tough circumstances, very thick concrete, right? You want phones with great signal. So in 2021, they upgrade all of their employees, and we're talking about dozens of employees, from older iPhones to the Pixel 6, mm -hmm. okay? And 
What is the one thing that we know really, really well about the Pixel 6? Incredible modem. A plus. Just the best, <laughs> highest quality modem on any phone ever made. So what happens? They distribute these Pixel 6s and 6 Pros to all of their employees. And within days, these employees start realizing that this phone sucks at making calls out in the open. But when you put them inside literally anything with walls thicker than two inches, they are dead. And they're dead all the time. So within like, I would say a month, they had to trade in their Pixel 6s and get people iPhones again. (laughs) Because this was such a terrible decision. And like, it just speaks to the fact that there are real world consequences to companies like Google releasing phones with, I would say, defective, in that case, hardware. Yeah. And the repercussions. And like the reason they, they got Pixels is because the owner of the company had a earlier Pixel. It was a Qualcomm-powered Pixel, and it was fine. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I really like Google software. We like Android phones, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Let's get everybody a Pixel 6. And they will never touch Pixels again from it, a and, and I mean, we are now talking that. big picture shit, but like this is the issue. And I mean, how many times have you talked to someone who's you're, you're like, oh, I, I write about Android phones. And they're like, oh, yeah, I had an Android phone once, but I, I didn't like yeah. it. And like it, they had exactly. a they had, had like a moto whatever in 2012. Right. And like or like a whatever hundred dollar Samsung phone that was sold a decade ago and it was bad. And now they're on iPhone. It's so frustrating because like you're comparing apples and oranges there when you're comparing the cheapest Android phone you can get at the time. And obviously Android has also become leaps and bounds of what it was a decade ago is not what it is today. And then you're comparing it to like Apple, which is a company that, yeah, now they sell one mid-range ish iPhone in the SE, but like for the most part has only ever sold what I would call a flagship device for flagship money. Right. And it's like, no wonder that that delivers a better, but when companies really like, like Google and like, we'll we'll get to Samsung modems later, but like when they really flub on this stuff, right, they really mess it up and ship with something that doesn't work properly, even on flagship devices, like the pixel six, like, especially these days, it's like, there's no goodwill left. People will just be like, they will write off the platform entirely because of one device that they used for a week. And like, fair point. Like, I can't defend the Pixel 6 in your story, Daniel. Like, <laughs> that's a problem. I do not blame anyone for being like, yeah, we switched everyone at our company back over to iPhone because this one Android device was so bad at what we needed it to do specifically. But it's just so frustrating. Like, it's so frustrating. It is. It's a really tough problem to solve, especially since Google does not control the entire narrative. Exactly, too. yeah, it, it yeah. It's I mean, doesn't specifically for Pixel good. and modems, doesn't this also date back to the fact that Qualcomm has literally kneecapped its competition for so long that nobody else can actually catch up in North America for modems? There are certainly bigger things at play here than just like the Pixel 6 was bad. Like that is obviously like way yeah. over. Like, yeah, I would I would say yes to you. But but I know but that there's it's such it, a it is what it thing, is. But at the same time, yeah, it's it's so easy yeah. for like my parents have had Motorola phones and my dad's last Motorola phone, I think, broke like two or three times and he said never again. And so he's on Pixel these days. And I honestly don't know if my parents are going to. Part of me thinks that my parents are going to stay with Pixel just because my dad loves call screening. And the other half of me thinks that my whole family is going to switch to Samsung because they're tired of modem inconsistencies and calling inconsistencies because every now and again, my sister's phone just won't place phone calls the way that mine did during the Android 13 beta last summer. But it's not consistent enough to get logs of, so there's no way to really like report it and get it fixed. But just small things like that. Yeah, it's a death by a thousand cuts for so many people, right? You have just enough issues with whatever Android phone you use that even though iPhones are not without flaws, I mean, let's be no, no, and I'm not saying that, yeah, hundred percent. But I think the confluence of factors plus the attraction of iMessage and all the easy quote easy Apple stuff, there's like a big sigh for a lot of Android users that are just like, fine, I'll get an iPhone, yeah. Right, and then once you're in, you're not leaving. Well, so it's it depends. Not often, depending on how long you've been on Android. Going over to iOS and the way that they handle notifications, handle settings, and a lot of those things. 
once you see how messy that is, I've definitely heard a number of people who are like, yeah, I got yeah. an iPhone and I had to take it back before the two week window was up because I just couldn't take it. Yeah, I mean, there are. Yeah, I know I a think couple that's few people. And far between. Though. I know a couple people who have like swapped back from like have been like, yeah, I'm just going to go the Apple route and then swapped back. But like it's a low number compared to the people I know who had an Android phone and got tired of it and got an iPhone and did not look back. And a lot of times it is. To Daniel's point, it is not so much the hardware or the software. It is the ecosystem and it is iMessage. Yeah. Okay. So a few more Pixel leaks. I mean, we're not even done here. So then afterwards, a Pixel 7a uh, unit leaked. So we got to see the hardware. Kind of. Right. And then right after that, one (laughs) of them went up on eBay for a few hours. Unfortunately, there is really nothing here to take away beyond it's a pixel a series right like same general design as the pixel 7 same general design as the 6a i'm guessing you've looked at this a little bit more than i have will but like is there anything interesting about this hardware uh no (laughs) (laughs) not really not really it's what we've thought it would be for months a plug, I guess, is that I, I recorded on the Mobile Tech Podcast with Miriam Jouar last night, and so that should be up at some point if people want to hear me talk about these same stories twice. Uh, but like last night, I basically said, like, I feel like I can write my Pixel 7a review right now, which is like, it's a great phone. It's basically the Pixel 7, but it's a little cheaper with a couple downgrades, but it's $450 and you know it's going to be 300 in a few months. There's my review. Now I will manage to somehow write 4,000 words on it, but that I feel like I just know, like I just can feel it in my, in my bones and that's good. But it also does mean that like hands-on leaks like this are a little uninteresting. It looks like a Pixel 7, except it's got the like chunkier bezels of the 6 and the 6a. There you go. Aside from that, as we're learning a bit more about the device and the hardware, this is a phone that, I mean, it's not that I would ever have shied away from recommending the A-series to like a normal person, but the fact that this will be IP rated and have wireless charging and have a high refresh rate screen. Right? Slow wireless charging. Five watt is the rumor. I don't care. So is, I know. No, I know. I'm just, I'm just overnight wireless charging. <laughs> like that's all you need. I know. You need to say- I agree. The phone that you replace, because I mean, realistically, the phone that somebody's replacing for the 7A will have likely had wireless charging. I mean, like even a mid-range Samsung phone today has wireless charging. This is my point is that like, I kind of think when this phone comes out, it's like, I don't know who I recommend the 7 to anymore. I think I'll just say like, get a 7A or get a 7 Pro, but I don't know why, like, maybe... Am I wrong maybe about that, Ara? Like, does, does I the thought A-series the A53 not have didn't have wireless, wireless charging the last time I look at those spec sheets. The A54 does not have wireless charging yet. They yeah, don't I was going to say, okay. the, the, the A54 is like, I getting wireless charging is so huge for the Pixel 7a for me. What about, like, OnePlus Nord phones? Do they have wireless charging? Mm, no, I don't think so. I mean, even the OnePlus 11 didn't get wireless charging, did it? Yeah, no, it didn't. The Nord S20? And 25G. No, you're right. So yeah, I mean, I take it back. I'm wrong about it. So There's been only two things we've wanted for the Pixel 7a, and we're getting both of them this year, and they will be huge in helping this phone compete in a crowded mid-range smartphone space. 90 hertz being the other, I would say. Yeah, 90 hertz. Nobody, I mean, that's great, right? Nobody can really complain about 90 hertz. So I think what will be interesting is whether they will put a high-quality display on the 7a because that has really been the main issue I've had with the A-series, is the panel quality is fairly, fairly bad. So long as they make it just like 15 or 20% brighter than last year. I'm making predictions here, but it's a lot of money when I know the people who are trying to make decisions between, you know, if they really want the best screen possible, they're probably going to be looking at, at the S23 series, to be honest. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we'll Fair. see. But yeah. I'm excited for this phone, but more in a sense of like, it will be... I feel like a pretty good recommendation and I'm going to eat so much crow if this phone ends up somehow being very bad. I don't think it can be bad. No, I don't think it will either. But you never know. Maybe it'll last three hours on a charge. I don't know. The only things they have to do are just stay consistent and not have a fatal flaw. And knowing Google, that's usually a bit of a challenge. But the A-series has been solid. Yeah, the A-series has has been more solid than... Yeah, yeah, the A-series has always been more solid than the flagship phones. Yeah. All right, so then... 
a prototype hits eBay, it gets taken down. What was the initial price? Like two thousand five hundred dollars. No, it was listed at sixteen fifty and rose to uh, twenty five fifty after Amazing. like two hours, and then. I wrote about it, and an hour later, it was gone, which is exactly what happened last year with the Pixel 7. Yeah. First of all, insane price to own a non-working prototype. Like, it was stuck in fast food mode. Like, props to the eBay seller for trying to make a couple grand off his prototype, but... God, yeah. These are always so funny to me. Located because, in like, Athens, Greece. They were. No it less. was shipping from Greece, yeah. See, I'm starting to buy a little bit more into the conspiracy theory that Google is actually the one behind all of these. Because this is just too ridiculous for a nor like even if it's like, oh, I have an unreleased phone and it's non-functional, but I can still get money for it. There's no way this isn't happening without Google either intentionally letting something get out of their hands at some point or purposely being like, okay, we're gonna work with you. Don't worry, we're not gonna we will take legal action against you, but we'll also pay your fees. <laughs> can I just say my favorite part of the eBay listing, and then and then we can move on because it's a very yeah. small story. But uh, uh, in the item description, which is now archived, you can see the archive on on Android. Please, uh, it, <laughs> the seller says the device is in excellent cosmetic condition, but it's missing a SIM tray. It's stuck in fast boot mode, but maybe someone can make it work and own a very collectible device ahead of its launch. Amazing, twenty six hundred dollars. I'm sorry, collectible? No. I, it's very silly. It's this is it's very silly. But Yeah, okay. no, see, this just further hones in the fact that this can't be real. <laughs> we should talk Pixel 8. Okay, one second. Yeah. Before that happens, I just want to okay. talk about something Michelle posted on Twitter the other day, which I found really interesting. He talked about the way that Google remotely bricks devices that have been stolen or deemed like not for public use, right? So if an engineering prototype gets out in the wild or whatever, and they don't want people to use it, they send something called a brick OTA. It basically removes the software from your phone. Yeah. Now, what it doesn't do is lock the device back. So if you have a device that is bootloader unlocked, it does not remotely lock the bootloader again, but it doesn't need to because the only way that you can get that device working again is by installing compatible software. And presumably, if Google has sent one of these brick OTAs, it's for a phone that does not yet have publicly released software. So it do Google doesn't have to worry about somebody reinstalling the Pixel 7a factory you know, version, right? It just doesn't exist yet. So I find this really interesting that like, Google obviously has the infrastructure to push this out. And according to Michal, this tool that Google uses is just open source. Like anybody can use it. It's just that Google is using it for this particular purpose. I don't know. That, I found, I found that fascinating yeah. to me. All right, let's talk Pixel 8. I don't know. I wasn't expecting this as early as we got them, but let's talk them through. So we first got a Pixel 8 Pro leak from, was it OnLeaks? OnLeaks, yeah. And it's rounder on the radius and flatter on the sides. Just talk us through what these changes are, because I'm 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 thrilled about this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you put it well. It is basically it looks like a Pixel Seven Pro, right? Rounded edges. So this is more in line with like uh, like the S twenty three or S twenty three plus. Like yeah, the front looks like an S twenty three plus. It really does. <laughs> it really does. And one more similarity. Yeah, like you said, flat display. Incredible. I'm taking credit for it. They read my uh, hands-on <laughs> where I complained about it. Um, I'm so happy I could cry. Thank <laughs> it's just, you. It's, Finally, a screen protector post that isn't going to suck trying to research. Well, it's God, it's been driving me crazy. So I've seen so many people complain about the Victus 2 glass and the S23 Ultra. Like the first-gen Victus, I'm not going to test it, but it's probably very hard to shatter. But it that means it's like very susceptible to like light scratching just from being in your pocket, basically which can be fixed by a screen protector. If you slap a screen protector on it, you can replace it every couple months or whatever you want to do, et cetera, except it's a curved screen barely, which means that like screen protectors for that thing are going to be annoying and expensive and probably not work well unless you're using I don't know, plastic or whatever, which in which case, I mean, don't do that. Plastic can do well against like the light. No, scratch. plastic sucks. It sucks against no, anything shattering. Plastic. And no, sucks plastic against sucks anything. against your finger. It feels like shit. <laughs> like I hate it. I hate plastic screen protectors. They don't feel good. Like tempered glass. That's the bar. But you can't do it. Not easily. There's like the white 
oh Jesus, what is it? White dome, right? Glass? White stone dome glass. White stone dome glass. Thank you. You can tell I have not bought their product because it's very expensive. Well, it's also just. Does it not work well? No, no, no. It works great if you can install it properly. Oh, no. That's the other thing. They're super difficult. Yeah. So hard. That's why I haven't, because they're like 50 bucks. And I know I'm going to screw it up. So like, like yeah. that is legitimately like one of the few things that if I needed to put Whitestone dome glass on a phone, I will take it to a phone repair store or something that That's they can fair. like properly cover up all the ports. If anything gets in the ports, they have acetate and whatnot to get it out. But I don't want yeah. to install that myself. <laughs> all this said, flat display here. We're cooking with gas. I hope that Samsung follows suit. I hope every phone manufacturer follows suit. Like, Kurt, screens can die. We've moved on to foldables. You have your next screen technology, bleeding edge, fancy as heck, whatever to print. Just um, give us back flat screens on slab phones. Now, make all screen protectors said, easy, make it easier to grip your devices, and make it harder to have phantom touches at the edges. Yeah, just makes it more comfortable to hold, in my opinion, too, if, if you don't have a case on it. Um, all this said, I don't love the more rounded corners. Like, I kind of like the squared off look of an S23 Ultra, and I wish that Google had gone in that direction, but that is, I don't know, maybe once I hold it in my hand, it won't matter. Kind of like the S23 Plus, so, like, maybe it'll just be kind of like that once I actually have it in my hand in six months or whatever. But, yeah, that's pretty much the Pixel 8 Pro on the back. There's a camera bar that looks pretty similar. They're a little more spread out, I'd say, and then there's, like, this mysterious additional cutout below the flash that i don't think we really know what that is yet like there's been i think no that's almost about certainly that. a lidar um I yeah say, I, I, I don't think like it's a lidar yeah. or laser focus or something yeah i don't i don't think it's like a, a macro lens or anything like that so that would be my guess as well i'm just but. happy that we're getting back to all the cameras are in one little cutout instead of being two cutouts for the pro because yeah. a that made it harder to like get cases that fit them properly or, or screen protectors for people who are actually paranoid enough to put screen protectors on their camera lenses. So I'm happy it's just back to one and hopefully we can just, this is the design we should have gone with for lenses on the, the pixel, whatever, with, so long as we have that camera bar. Can we just stick with that, please? Maybe it'll keep it from uh, shattering. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's the 8 Pro. Okay, so... Similar overall size to the 7 Pro. Yeah, 6.7 like. inch. Six, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, very recognizable. I think Google would like us to say that the design is iconic. But I think, yeah, it's a pixel. You can tell it's, it's a pixel. It's iconic enough that people can start, have been starting to start like recognizing it. And it's very easy for me to spot pixels in the wild nowadays. And I'm seeing more than I thought I would. But I'm okay with them sticking with this design for a little while longer, so long as they focus on fixing what matters. I would love for this to be like the exact same size and fit in the same cases, but if we're moving from a curved screen to a flat screen, that's not possible. The only change for the 8 and 8 Pro that I am like more excited about than dropping a curved screen is the fact that the Pixel 8 might actually be a goddamn small phone. The Well, the Pixel 8, so that... that, that leak originally had a 5.8 inch screen on it and then on leaks pointed out that he did his uh math wrong and, and it no. is a 6.2 inch yeah i don't know if you saw that update but that was yeah so Damn so he it. that was also on the 8 pro where he said 6.5 inch originally and then it was but we i think had done the math on the dimensions because they're very similar to the 8 or to the 7 pro and we were like 6.7 and uh missed that on the on the 8 but we updated and, and corrected and all that but yeah it well, will be a 6.2 is still a little smaller than 6.3 but yeah it will not be a a, a zenfone 9-esque uh display can i float my crackpot theory about the 8 pro i yeah, have this me. well we all know rounded displays equals flagship right if it's you know look at the s23 the the s23 plus is not quite as flagship as the ultra right because it doesn't have a uh you know it's missing a bunch of stuff and it doesn't has a flat screen not a curved screen which means Pixel 8 and Ultra this year. Oh. <laughs> no. I'm kidding. No. Uh, but this would be very funny. That is definitely the um, conclusion that we have to come to. Does the Fold have a curved screen on the edges? No. I don't think any. Yeah, I don't is there think a foldable that has a curved screen? Oh, no. the, the, some of them have an outer. The outer display is curved. I was. God, I don't remember. Is it? Honors Honor? has yeah which is weird it's like it's like the original like note edge where it <clears throat> where it curves on one side but oh uh, yeah 
Yeah. That sounds but, dumb. But it's, it's very it's so it's so that when you open it up, both sides of the back are like curved. They have to curve the screen to make it match like the actual oh, back of the phone. Uh but it's still stupid. It, like it it I hate it. But yeah, yeah. Did you play with the techno foldable? I did not v. get a chance to play with the techno foldable. Apparently, it's basically just a a relabeled Magic VS. Yeah, because they're like all under the same umbrella, right? Like techno is a, a sub brand as well. Is it really? I of believe that was honor? what uh, Manuel learned when he was at a. Uh, yeah, let me let me see if I can find this. Not surprised, but yes, anyway. they are all under. Oh, maybe not. I don't know. I, I don't swear. think so. Honor split off from Huawei, right? Yes, because that was the only way they could continue to do business in the West. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Techno is definitely a Chinese brand, but it, I, I wasn't yeah. familiar with um, whether it had a parent company. Well, this is Manuel's fault, and we should get him on the show to yell at him. Good. <laughs> Fine. I like that. That's a good idea. Okay. Uh, it's the subsidiary of Transition Transion Holdings. Yeah, I see. Oh, they too. it's a its brands include Techno, Infinix, and Itel. So Infinix is another popular yeah. phone brand uh in Africa. Okay. All right. Interesting. So Interesting. let's move on. Let's yeah. uh talk about Samsung. So a bunch of controversy surrounding Samsung this week because a Redditor basically quote exposed Samsung's fakery with its super res zoom style moon photography. This is not really a surprise, right? This is really fake if they'd explained this two years ago. They did explain (laughs) it in a community forum post, and it was kind of Reddit posts before. This is not even the first time Reddit got mad about it. Like, what are we doing here? (laughs) It's admitted many times that it is not taking a photo of the moon in a traditional sense. It cannot. It can take a photo of a smudge and then turn it into a moon. But it is also not doing what Huawei was doing, which was literally replacing the photo that you took with like a 2D overlay of the moon. So this is, I think, a little bit more sophisticated. It's placing the moon in the sky. It's applying basically all of the photography smarts that it can, right? It's pushing down the brightness and the exposure as much as it can. It is stabilizing the camera as much as it can. It does what it physically can to get a good shot of the moon at 100 times zoom, right? But beyond that, you're still not getting a very high-quality photo. It's still going to be blurry. And then they're applying essentially generative AI models to it to give you a more clear, realistic version of that photo. Which is also just a more complex version of what like every photo we take today is because there is like computational photography happening with every single photo you take, unless you're using pro mode or whatever on a, on an S 23 or you have a Sony phone with God bless you. But (laughs) like, what is the difference between this and like any of the stuff Google has added to the pixel over the last like, five or six years like no like it's just more extreme you don't want to take raw photos like photos without all the computational processing from any camera you don't want those photos they're not going to look good the pixel is kind of an exception at least in like the default app but like basically every other android phone has a pro mode in the in the camera app that you can use if you really want to use it and you can kind of ditch all of that stuff anyway Personally speaking, I would rather just get a nice little shot of the moon on a summer night or whatever if the moon looks cool than worry about how much of it was like programmed by AI. Like, I don't know. It's it's such a non-controversy on top of it being old news. Agreed. And yet yeah. everybody talks everybody. about this. Like we were doing our best to treat this as the objective news story that it was, but when there were layers upon layers of like, is Samsung faking the moon? You you can't help but need to respond and try to like calm people down and explain rationally what is happening, which is what we eventually did a couple of days later. And it is unfortunate that it kind of got out of hand in some cases. I think it speaks to the fact that when we talk about like, what is a photo in 2023, it cannot just be a straight up we are using our phone to take a photo of the thing in front of us. 
And like, we have to leave that language behind or we will just not be able to communicate about this. And many YouTube videos will be made about the subject. So anyway, that's the first Samsung controversy. The second one, and we'll get to the actual news in a second, is this Exynos vulnerability that Google Zero Day team wrote about. And this is a doozy because Google Project Zero exposes a lot of Zero Day vulnerabilities, but this one is live. And they did it before Samsung has actually patched the vulnerability so that users of these phones that are affected can make the necessary changes to allay those vulnerabilities, to allay the risk rather. So first of all, this is a vulnerability inside the Exynos modem that is basically powering cellular connectivity on many Samsung phones. Not a lot of them are available in the US, but still a lot of phones are affected by this. I'll read verbatim what Google wrote. Tests conducted by Project Zero confirm that those four vulnerabilities allow an attacker to remotely compromise a phone at the baseband level with no user interaction and require only that the attacker know the victim's phone number. With limited additional research and development, we believe that skilled attackers would be able to quickly create an operational exploit to compromise affected devices silently and remotely. So not great. This affects devices all the way from the S22, the international version, to a bunch of mid-range phones like the A53, A71, M33, M13, M12. It affects a bunch of Vivo phones that are not sold in North America, as well as the Pixel 6 and Pixel 7, and a couple of vehicles that use Exynos's Auto T5132 chips. So likely anybody listening to this podcast is not affected because if you have a Pixel and you're on the March security patch, you're fine. Google patched this for Pixel devices, but Samsung has yet to issue any patches for affected devices. And a lot of these phones are mid-range or budget devices that will not get monthly patches. They'll probably get quarterly patches, if that. And we've reached well, out we'll to Samsung. Get monthly patches this month. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, right? Samsung needs to treat this like Everybody treated stage fright back in 2015, where they're working directly with the consumers, but also with carriers and Google to make sure that there's some way for these patches to hit everybody, because this is a really, really big problem. And it just speaks to the fact that like, you never know, right? You never know what, what can happen. I'm not saying that anybody's going to get their phones compromised through this, but I think it was responsible of Google, given that Samsung was reached out to, and within the 90-day period that Google gave them, they did not actually patch the problem. Yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, thank you to, to Stephen Shank, who I just messaged in a thread you're also in, Daniel, uh, to ask, because he got a comment from Samsung. So I'd like to add this to our coverage, which is, uh, Samsung takes the safety of our customers very seriously after determining six vulnerabilities may potentially impact select Galaxy devices, of which none were severe. Samsung released uh, security patches for five of these in March. Another security patch will be released in April to address the remaining vulnerability. As always, we recommend that all users keep their devices updated with the latest software, et cetera, et cetera. Which, as we just talked about, I, I the choice to say that none of them were severe, I don't know. That's an interesting take. That is a choice, yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a choice. Given but, that uh, it completely contradicts what Google said. Yeah. It does. And it's also, like you just said, 90 days ago, they were like alerted to this, right? And they didn't do anything. And so it's to lead with, it takes the safety of our customers very seriously. Like it's hard to square that with, we didn't do anything for three months, which as we said, some of these phones get quarterly updates. That's 90 days. So they should have been covered, but no. It's just, it's just not a good look that Samsung sat on this, right? Like, I'm sure internally they were frantic and, like, trying to figure something out. But if Google and Samsung had coordinated on some sort of outreach and a shared press release about this, rather than basically Project Zero chastising Samsung publicly to get them to do something, it just, it's like, you hear about Google and Samsung working closely together. Obviously, Project Zero is not, like, core Android. It's a separate part of Google, but it wouldn't have been difficult. You get somebody on the phone, you say, hey, we've looked into this, like, let's chat. Let's get on a Google Meet. You know, let's get on a Teams call, like whatever. I'll do a Slack huddle. You know, I'll do anything. Just like, let's talk. Did not seem like that happened. Until yeah, no, it's, right it's, now. it's no good. And it, 
the more well-known this vulnerability is, the more likely that someone could use it to, to attack the device, right? But also, it's like, if Samsung isn't going to do anything for 90 days, you, what is your other option besides like publicly shaming them so that they actually take action, even if it can create some level of danger if people do not take the steps to protect themselves? It's just like, it's, it's kind of a no-win scenario. 100%. 100%. So I'm glad. I mean, this is great. I'm glad that we are getting some clarity and we broke this news to you live on the show that will not <laughs> that be you're here in two days. inboxes <laughs> for two days, but that's our fault, not not yours. All right, that's that. Finally, let's just end on a, I don't know, mediocre mid-range note. Samsung released <laughs> uh, the A54 and A34. The A54 is a fine mid-range Android phone, $450. In a couple months, it'll be competing directly with the Pixel 7a, but yeah. uh, some nice improvements to the phone over the A53. Will, what do we know about it? Yeah, I think that's going to be the biggest issue is that I just don't think the Exynos 1380 that is powering this thing is going to to live up to a Tensor G2 powered phone for the same price. Um, there are some advantages to an A54 over what we expect to see in the Pixel 7a, such as like it's a AMOLED full HD display at 120 hertz, not 90 You've got a macro, a five megapixel macro lens if you want it. It's, yeah, it's, but are those you know, cameras going to be it, consistent this year? Because I remember in that A53 that they not. were not. Um, I mean, I'm going and to review Pixel, it for us. Because so. I was going to say, the 6A, the cameras weren't as good as the Pixel 7, obviously. But no. at least like the Pixel 6A still definitely holds its own and like is queen of the cameras when it comes to budget android phones no we say all this the the, the a54 will outsell the the 7a by oh a, no a ton, doubt like but, by like magnitudes of order um and and you know there is uh it will get more updates than the 7a it will get four uh android os upgrades and and five years of security patches which, which is so you know, weird will yeah it is so weird that we can say that yeah. I was going to say, are we Google sure phone. they're not going to up that starting with the 7A and then going into the 8? They can increase that whenever they want, but the time to do that was probably last year. I'm not saying that they can't do it at any point. It's just that they're going to be uh, late to it, and I'm going to be a little less proud of them when they finally make that move. Yeah, exactly. Um, Although, I do kind of see the flip side. Uh, there comes a point where getting new Android versions just slows down a phone. I don't know. I think so, we've, we've hit a, a point where performance is good enough, and, and Android versions are not changing rapidly enough that, like, I mean, God, the Pixel 4 could power Android 14, and it's not going to get it, but <laughs> no problem. It could power Android 14. So anyway, yeah, the A54, um, I, I am excited to, to get my hands on it. It's got a relatively new design. It looks exactly like uh, an S20 three because that's just samsung's design uh trend currently is just we're no camera bump we're just getting rid of that just lenses on the back it, it's a little plain looking but you know at least they've got like a style i'm excited to check it out it, it should be a perfectly reliable phone for 450 bucks there you go okay let's move on to the grab bag so <laughs> youtube tv increased its monthly subscription price by was it $8 from 65 yeah, to, to $73? $73 a month, yeah. That's double, more than double what it cost in 2017 when it launched. Inflation being what it is, not surprising, but certainly not double uh, what, it, what it was. I mean, that's just crazy. But also Google says, as I'm sure many of its competitors will say the same thing, content costs are up. I think the content creators and the license holders are able to keep their best content within their own streaming services now and are just making it more difficult for companies like Google who want to create a bundle to pay for access to all of those services and keep the costs down. So this doesn't surprise me, but it is a little shocking that we're nearly at 100 bucks a month, which is basically like cable. Domestic, cable. like terrestrial TV subscription costs yeah like i get cable and internet for 85 bucks a month that's and that's just rolled in with my rent exactly it's a little ridiculous but at the same time i would almost prefer youtube tv over traditional cable if for no other reason than i can watch it places other than my house cloud dvr too yeah and it won't yeah. go out on me yeah so frequently the way that my internet does being on spectrum there are Plenty of advantages to YouTube TV over cable, but at the same time, it's like 
bundles exist, right? And so if you're paying, let's say, $80 a month for internet and then $80 a month, I'm rounding up for YouTube TV and then Spectrum or whoever, Comcast, whoever is like, well, we have a bundle for $120. Like, that's a lot cheaper. And like, maybe, again, you lose you know cloud dvr or they just announced a uh, multi-view right which is kind of cool but at a certain point like if you really want live tv to watch stuff like the oscars for example or sports which I, I should mention that like this comes right after youtube tv announced their partnership or their exclusive deal with um with the nfl so like that is almost certainly part of this that was a huge expensive deal but um yeah, it's just like the idea of cable that is cheaper than cable is much like the dream of streaming basically dead because surprise, surprise, like you don't actually get to pick the things you want and you have to pay extra for content you're not probably going to watch. So, yeah. Cool. I mean, at this point, YouTube TV should absolutely come with YouTube premium. Like if you're going to charge that much, just throw it in. Also, I'm not saying it's really easy to just sign up for like a uh, two week trials whenever you need uh <laughs> <laughs> to watch live television i'm just saying that maybe that's how i watched the oscars last weekend i don't know <laughs> that sucks but it is what it is on to better things uh the blackberry trailer got released i'm yeah. extremely invested in this as both a canadian and early blackberry user this is by no means a realistic portrayal <laughs> the fact that lazaridis is being played by jay baruchel yeah is is just like hilarious to me but glenn howerton as jim balsilli is i think just a an amazing amazing casting choice like this is the guy that i've only seen in it's always sunny in philadelphia who is just like an outrageous personality and to have him both like male pattern bald and extremely restrained yeah as a guy that i've met a bunch of times is as like buttoned up as he appears in this yeah. movie just like amazing choice like i love it well he's still playing a like very drastic personality because he's playing a very cutthroat businessman and that's going to lead to a lot of like different sides of him that glenn howerton is going to get to play balsilli it's interesting because like i think obviously like balsilli is not as cut and dry as he's portrayed in the trailer like maybe there are layers to the character that we don't see and i'm sure there will be but like it is true that he was as cutthroat as he is portrayed like the dynamic between balsilli and lazaridis is fascinating from just a co-leadership perspective and the fact that blackberry didn't implode for as long as it didn't or i guess the conversely like stayed successful for as long as it did I was throughout. Say they staved off explode they staved off their implosion for as many years as they did. The storm didn't kill them. It's crazy <laughs> it was that like the storm two didn't kill years them. After, like, the decline years after. only happened in 2011, 2012. Yeah. And even then like they released BlackBerry 10, they released a bunch of phones on Qnix like there was they that did tablet. a bunch of stuff after yeah. that and it really just petered out slowly rather than fully imploding. But I remember like that BlackBerry 10 launch in 2013, really feeling excited about the future of the company and that they'd like locked onto something significant here. And then again, with the launch of the Priv in 2016 and being like, okay, BlackBerry's back, let's do this. And then again, and I was looking at photos of this because it's, it was uh, six years ago, the launch of the Key One at MWC yeah. in 2017, uh... right? Like. This obviously wasn't a phone made by BlackBerry, the hardware company, but this is another example of BlackBerry trying to pivot and do its thing on the software side and leave the hardware to another company. And that was a decent device. And then the key two, another okay, you know, it just everything seemed like it was kind of working until it didn't. And in retrospect, I'm just excited to see the whole thing put together because like, I remember 2008, when I got my first BlackBerry, it was the BlackBerry Pearl 9100. And then I upgraded to the BlackBerry Bold 9000. That was like, that was it. The Bold for me was like the turning point. I've never put down my phone after that. I've been addicted to smartphones (laughs) now for 15 years because of the Bold 9000. So 
yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I, this is just like a piece of history for me. I was going to say, I feel like I miss out a little bit on being a smartphone enthusiast by the fact that I have never owned nor like used in any great depth any BlackBerry phone. Because yeah. I was, uh, yeah, I know. Because uh, I had, for some reason, the I think the BlackBerry was too expensive when I was in high school and then when I was in college trying to buy phones. So I had a Samsung Jack and then I had the professional version of the Samsung Blackjack. Right. And I goddamn loved the keyboards on those things. I wrote so much on that phone and then couldn't get it off the phone and it just vanished into the digital ether. But yeah, BlackBerry is one of those things that I was always like, oh, this is this is interesting, but I don't understand the hype. Yeah, and you don't until you use it. <laughs> Conversely, I am young enough that I would mess around with my mom's BlackBerry that she had for work in middle school. So I do have memories of BlackBerry. It just wasn't my phone. It was uh, my mom's work phone, which, you know, it's just, I, I guess that's good enough for me to fondly remember BlackBerry. The guy's a shark. I know how to market it, and I know who we can sell it to. But I want 50% of the company, and I've got to be CEO. I don't know who you think you are, but deal. Are you joking? Yeah, it's good reviews, by the way. We should say it's it uh, premiered yeah, the, at Berlin the and then great. South by Southwest uh, uh, this week, and and it's at a ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's at an eighty three on Metacritic. Like it, it people are liking the movie. Uh, it's May twelfth in theaters. So uh, nurse your I O hangover by seeing Blackberry in theaters. <laughs> All right. So lastly, I just want to talk about this announcement. Obviously, AI has been in the news lately. GPT-4 got announced this week, so everybody's talking about generative AI again and how it's going to overhaul how we work and play and blah, blah, I don't know, whatever. But you know, aside from ChatGPT, you can use GPT-4 in ChatGPT if you have a premium subscription. It's 20 bucks a month. Otherwise, you're still on GPT-3.5. Not sure everybody knows that, but regardless, you've probably used ChatGPT by now. But Microsoft and Google both made big announcements this week about integrating AI features into its productivity app. So on Google Workspace, we have prompts coming to Docs and Sheets and Gmail and all that stuff, right? It's launching as a test. Google was a little bit less, I would say, open about its plans. It was just a preview and hasn't really given us a lot of meaty kind of indication of how this is going to change the way that you use Docs. I mean, basically, it's saying like, well, if you want us to help you with text prompts or solve functional problems in in sheets and whatever, like we'll do that. But this week, Microsoft announced something called Copilot, which it's integrating into 365, formerly known as Office. And this is like just a cross ecosystem, complete like AI. I use the word smorgasbord. I'm going to do that again at the end of the show. Just everything. Everything's going in on AI. It's like Cortana plus Clippy plus plus, right? And I think for me, this is what's like really interesting because from everything Microsoft showed off, and I, I'm sure you guys have watched the YouTube video of, of the intro by now, but this is, I think, fascinating. It's It's super fun. They're going to put it in in everything. So obviously Word and Excel and PowerPoint, but also Outlook and Teams. And you'll be able to like, I mean, the the, the thing that really got me was like, you have an appointment, so you can't attend a meeting. Oh, I was going to say this, this was my thing too, of like, it'll just auto make you minutes. Yeah. It'll just meeting. like record yeah. and, and transcribe the meeting for you. And then like present the cliff notes of the meeting. When you think about how much time you waste in meetings, that could be incredible and also terrible depending on the interpretation of various ways of you know how people talk and whatever but yeah we'll we'll get there but i think what's also kind of cool is so in my new role i've been forced to make more than one powerpoint presentation <laughs> i hate hate powerpoint i hate creating slides i hate creating graphs i'm not a numbers guy i'm just not good yeah. at it and what i am good at is turning my thoughts into words as both of you are as well. And the idea here that I can just have a spreadsheet of data and then tell it what kind of graph I want and not have to worry about interpreting the data is a godsend to me. And it's this kind of thing that I'm really looking forward to having integrated into all of the productivity tools that I use. Yeah, Excel is like a different 
language to me like literally like i have no idea how to... i was gonna say excel isn't just a language it is an entire goddamn way of living yeah i um but i will say uh the fact that there's just not even a clippy easter egg uh turns me off completely and i'm using it <laughs> I'm sure they debated internally about whether they should like and they have an made the wrong decision. They should have put Clippy in. How well, did they no, miss no, no. this? Since it's AI, they should have given you a choice. You could have one that was Clippy. You could have one that was. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's just a it's just a skin, right? So like, yeah, just make it so that it all just instead of saying like co-pilot, like, it I says Clippy. I want my AI to sass me when I'm procrastinating. Like, come on. <laughs> Maybe they'll upsell you on like themes, so there'll be like co-pilot themes, and for extra money, you can ask it to let you call it Clippy like hey baby what's up my other burn on this is that uh I, it would force me to use teams and i would rather not do that oh god i yeah no that's the thing this all looks fascinating i look forward to when there's a google version of this it's just it's interesting like i i obviously we haven't spoken about it on the show and i don't really want to get into it but like spotify's massive overhaul to us like we talked about the ai integration like or dj whatever we talked about like the tiktok vacation and of the feed in spotify but i listened to an episode of decoder yesterday with um the chief product officer of spotify and they're framing it internally as they're turning spotify into an ai company right they want to they want to get better data from you and they find like the way that they do that is by having you in, interact with the feed because really spotify right now you go into it you select something and then you get out and they want to get more data points to make recommendations more accurate for you and i think it's the same thing here google wants in and microsoft they want fewer blank pages they want fewer half finished notes they want you to open up excel or word or docs or sheets or powerpoint or whatever and like finish the thing that you're starting and finish it better by having these AI prompts help you to do the really like menial stuff that you don't like doing. And that excites me. Yeah, I mean, I have to go listen to that Decoder episode because it, 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 I don't know why, but for some reason, I agree with you. I was joking, I, kind of joking about teams, but like the co-pilot stuff they showed is genuinely cool. And I'm not kidding where I'm like, I know Excel can be very powerful if you know how to use it. And I do not. And it would be great if I did. Uh, and it would be even better if an AI could just do it for me, essentially. The Spotify stuff is like, I don't know why I like pull back at that of like, oh, I don't know if that's what I want for my music app. I don't know what it is about like a productivity company can be like, we're going to use AI to make you better at your job. And I'm like, sounds great. And then like music company is like, we're going to use AI to give you better music. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm not sure about that one. Well, maybe that's because music apps have already been at the mercy of algorithms for so long. We're like, you've sure, already yeah. been using this. You're just putting a new face on it. Yeah. And, and that's true. Although I have found... I don't know. I've, I've I've been having very bad luck with Spotify's algorithm lately. So maybe maybe that's part of it, too. Mm. I mean, I both look forward to when YouTube music integrates a little bit of AI. And at the same time, I'm scared of it because yeah. the algorithms right now know me. Yeah. They know me way too well. And YouTube uh, music and subscribers can look. And I don't want that to change. <laughs> you'll get that in 2027. So yep. uh, no problem there. Yeah. No, Neil's on it. I just he wish knows, you could start radios. <laughs> Yeah, I would just wish you could start those multi-artist radio stations without having to like scroll through a list of names that are provided to you. Just let me search for names and build the radio station. All right, one last thing that I think is worth mentioning. Qualcomm, very quietly, open-sourced AppDex and AppDex HD, and they're finally available for any OEM to use free of charge. So this means if your manufacturer decides to integrate it, just like Sony did with LDAC years ago, you will be able to get a phone that supports AppDex and AppDex HD and use it on compatible earbuds, which is fantastic. So obviously a lot of devices support AppDex if they're Qualcomm powered, but many of them don't. Samsung devices, Honor devices that are not Qualcomm powered don't. And I think even Snapdragon powered Samsung devices don't have AppDex support natively right now i was gonna say i i almost want to go run and grab headphones just to see how it is on the galaxy s23 but i don't have any within i don't think that i don't distance. think it supports it um but it's possible that now samsung won't have to pay an additional license fee to support aptex they'll just throw it in for free i do wonder is this the kind of thing that since it's already built in on a hardware level is this something that manufacturers could possibly start adding in as a system update definitely yeah there's no reason why they can't yeah 
Now I have a new thing to uh, chastise <laughs> uh, Samsung for. There you go. All right. That's the show. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. Our email, as always, podcast at androidpolice.com. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you're using a phone that is affected by this Exynos vulnerability and uh, if you're worried about it. We'd, we'd love to hear that. Uh, we'd also love to hear from you about how you feel about the Pixel leaks. What do you think about the flat display on the Pixel 8 and 8 Pro, or I guess on the Pixel 8 Pro? Uh, thank you to everybody for sending in your emails, uh, for tweeting us and all that good stuff. Um, we definitely appreciate it. All right, Will, Ara, have a great weekend. You too, Daniel. I don't know if we ever yeah. say we'll it. You, you too. Thank you. You too. Thank you. I hope I you are that. actually able to get some sleep this weekend because I know that we all need it. Uh-huh. It's World Sleep Day, so the best thing I can wish y'all is actually catching up on your sleep. <laughs> There's an embargo that lifts next week that will provide a nice story that we can talk about on our next week's show. So that's a tease, <laughs> uh, but I can't talk about it yet. All right, that's it. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.